Hello and welcome to Follow Your Bliss, a podcast for big-hearted, deep feelers who want to make a difference in the world. This is your time to get motivation and momentum to do what makes your soul shine. My name is Jessica Flint. I'm a soul strengths business coach and social impact entrepreneur that has helped millions of people improve their life. And I'm here to empower you to become a badass success story because I know it's within you when you stop selling yourself short, stop waiting for the perfect moment, and stop letting the opinions of others drown out your inner voice. It's never too late to create a life you're excited about and love waking up to. I believe we all have unique soul strings that hold the key to unlocking our greatest success and are just begging to be expressed right now in this very moment. Now, this podcast features heart-to-heart conversations with successful authors, entrepreneurs, spiritual leaders, experts, and everyday all-stars just like you about their path to greater purpose and soul alignment. It's time to claim your joy, your worth, your highest soul expression, and your feeling of enoughness. Now, let's get started. Welcome, my lovely listeners. We are back with the fourth installment of In the Making, a reality podcast series where we go behind the scenes to look at what goes into starting a mission-driven business and podcast. Our star of the show is Colette Dingens, and the podcast she is creating is called Compassion Confetti, and she's also building a community around this to help autism moms. Her mission is inspired by her own journey of being a special needs mom to a son with autism. Now, if you're just hopping into the series, be sure to check out the past three episodes to get all caught up because we are moving on ahead to the quarter mark. And to rouse you up a bit and stir in some drama, we decided to touch on a sticky subject for today's episode. And that is how to shine bright even when it threatens the people closest to you. Now, more often than not, on usually an unconscious level, we turn down the intensity of our light and success so others don't feel threatened by it. Or the other unconscious solution is to continue to shine bright and be successful, but turn down our level of enjoyment. If we appear to be suffering, we can get empathy and sympathy from others instead of jealousy and resentment. So if misery loves company, how do you break free from its grips to build a successful company and a life of enjoyment? I'm super excited to dig into this topic because I have a lot of personal experience with it, and so does Colette. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Compassion Confetti Colette. Hello, Blessica. I'm so happy to be with you today. And of course, all of the beloved listeners, thank you so much for joining us. We love having you. Oh, we love having you. I've just been getting so much great feedback about your energy and just the way that you've been showing up for this series, Colette. So Yeah, and thank you for being open for this topic today, which is definitely, like I said, a sticky subject and kind of reminds me of what you said last show about the tattoo that you would want to get if you were ever to get a tattoo, and that would be our deepest wish is to be loved and how that deep wish can tie in to us limiting our potential and our growth because of impacting our loved ones. So I I think this is a beautiful topic to explore and is much more of a shadow subject than than what our last show was about with brightness of our gifts and shining, right? So let's talk about when we shine, what happens with the shadow that gets cast? It definitely happens. And I think that this may resonate with a lot of people that are out there. And I don't know about you, but I feel very vulnerable talking about this. It's like a, it's a scary thing. I have said that 
this journey that I've been on that has really become very dynamic and active over the past couple of weeks has really shown that as I open up more, other people open up more. But at the same time, some people that I'm very emotionally entwined with don't seem to be opening up as much. Like I'm so excited. I'm so invested. And the people that I love the most deeply are not seeming to understand the importance. And I'm taking that somewhat on a personal level. And this has opened up a conversation between the two of us in that respect. Yeah. Because you said not a single one of them has listened to my podcast. And when you said that, my heart was just like, oh, I feel you, girl. Like my family has never listened to any of my podcasts. I'm coming from this place of now having produced hundreds of podcasts to be like, you may have to get used to that or you may not. Like, I don't know what's, what your evolution is going to be, but it's it's something to talk about because there is almost this expectation that our family is just going to be rooting for us and cheering for us and are the ones who are going to be our biggest supporters. And what happens when that's not the case? What happens when your family doesn't pay attention to what you're doing or in, in some ways can be intimidated or threatened by what you're doing? So personally, after like so many years of exploration around around this topic, because it, it is a spot, I think it's a very sensitive nerve that gets hit when you don't feel seen or supported or really cheered on by your family. And I have often kind of looked at it as, you know, the brighter the light, the darker the shadow. So I really want to use this show to kind of peel back the shadow and also look into this whole world of self-compassion that you're bringing out and how we can bring self-compassion to ourselves, compassion to others to really make this something that can accelerate our growth, not decelerate it. I love the concept that you just introduced is how can we take this seemingly an emotional obstacle and make it an opportunity for growth. So I really hope that this is something that we can flush out and unpack over the next couple minutes. For me, my first response before I can even do that is say that it is such a personal emotional trigger because my first response is you think I'm going to fail again. Like this is just one more thing. And so I'm not, I'm not going to bother putting time and energy into it because, oh, it's just one more thing she's trying. It's just, and so like for me, it's a trigger that they're automatically, you know, it's just one more thing that's not going to work out. Now, is that your own internal voice that is, are they, because often once again, we can project like onto others. That's another thing we can project like the the lack of belief in oneself. We can put that onto our parents. They don't believe in me and no, 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 no. And so it's helpful to separate that. Do you feel there's this part of you that feels like? A hundred percent. That's why it's a trigger. It's some, it's a belief system that is being, you know, somebody stoking the fire underneath the belief system that I would prefer to eradicate, but clearly still has its talons in my heart. So they're mirroring it in some way. Because if you were to let go of that, how could they mirror that to you? If you were to be unstoppable in your conviction in the success that you will get from this, their failure is not even an option. Right. Well, that's part of the frustrating thing because this particular journey that I have been on, I've never felt more and I think it's, again, because of the different healings that I've had. And it just goes to show that you can heal in a lot of ways, but you still sometimes are going to have that puppy dog that's got your underwear that's digging its heels in, pulling you back, right? But, um, you know, I've said to everyone that, like, this process, you know, regardless of succeed or fail, has been such a win just because of how amazing it's been in terms of my ability to reconnect with 
my creativity and my ability to say, holy banana heads, look at these strengths that I have, and I'm going to start applying them to things. And I have such a stronger belief that I am so aligned. We talk about when you're aligned, that's where the magic happens. And in this particular instance, I feel so aligned that I, I'm hoping that my member, my self-compassion voice and my, you know, belief system is on the higher end and in the rosier side and the rainbow side (laughs) than in the shadow side. So happy you're feeling this alignment because that, that really is knowing where you want to get to and being aligned with it is like, that's the most important aspect of getting where you are to where you want to be. But what came up when you started to say that I was getting this visual of a riptide, you know, like when you're at the beach, there's, they always have this like, watch out for riptides. Yeah, absolutely. They're dangerous and they're exhausting. Yeah. So essentially the riptide is when it pulls you out into the ocean and you know, swimmers, novices, people who aren't aware, they're not conscious that they're in this riptide, they just start swimming their ass off to shore, right? They're like, oh my God, I need to get to shore. I need to get to shore. And they start exerting all this energy. And that can happen when we're trying to look for praise from somebody else. Oftentimes, you know, our caregivers or our loved ones, where we're swimming, we're like, don't you just like love me? Like, can't you just see that I'm doing this? Like, I want you to validate what I'm doing. And that sounds so exhausting, Jessica. Like, I can't even. <laughs> yeah, Your poor soul is like totally like drowning, sputtering, barely keeping its head above water. Love me. Love me. <laughs> You're drowning me. Like, come on, notice me. Like, and then. The real way, if any, you know, to get out of a riptide is to swim parallel to the shore. So to swim, it's counterintuitive. You actually swim perpendicular to the to the current, so parallel to the shore, and then you get out of it. But we don't think about it. We think like, I just stay on this thing. Like, this is what I need. This is what I need your validation. I need you to show that you care, that you, you believe in what I'm doing, that you support me. I'm just going to keep swimming, keep swimming. When the reality is just no longer look for that validation. Just... I'm going to go swim over here. I'm going to go swim into these calm waters and I don't need this validation. I'm going to swim and I am following my own path and it's going to be easier because it's what I need. I'm going to focus on my needs. Sorry, I was swimming. I was busy swimming. (laughs) (laughs) I was swimming with ease parallel to the shore. I was kicking you to the curb. I was doing a 90 degree angle from what I was trying to do. And then when you do that, you know, who knows? They may be on the shore and be like, hey, look at you. I'm so proud of you swimming over there. Wouldn't that be awesome? But most important is you're proud of you swimming going, look at me, swimming for me. Look at me, I swim for me. (laughs) Exactly. You didn't know that I could sing, did you? Anyone out there that has a recording opportunity for me, please call me (laughs) 1-800-COLLET. Yeah. So when we we start to see this this concept that we – are exerting all this energy, going, you know, trying to get a result, trying to get some type of response from somebody when we can actually just go off on our own and do our thing and get out of that energy suck because it really holds you back. It's just like a treadmill to nowhere. And so let's get off the treadmill to nowhere and go do our own thing. Yes, Jessica. I love that. Thank you. I am game. Thank you for bringing that up to me and giving me that option because I prefer that one. Unless this unconscious dynamic really gets brought to consciousness, you can work your ass off for years, for decades, and still be held back to get to where you want to be. And this bottleneck, essentially, it's just this psychic bottleneck. It's within your own unconscious, your psyche. And why I bring this up is 
we can get really focused on on wanting to be loved by our parents or by our family, by our loved ones, by the closest people to us at the expense of truly being who we are, at the expense of truly allowing ourselves the success that we want. Like, why would we have this current that's going against us? Why would that happen? Well, we've talked about courage in the past and how when you want to start creating the life that you want, you really have to, you know, face fears and and work past them. And I think that when somebody that you love is starting to break down fear-based obstacles and create the life that they want, as you're looking at it, you know, from looking at them, watching them do this, it creates a natural response of fear that, well, I'm not doing that, or like a, a negative response that, well, I'm not doing that. So it can be hard on them because they may not be in the spot where they have that courage and that bravery to do it. They're not there yet. And that's okay. That's their path and their journey. Um, but I think it can be very threatening to when anyone's coming out of their safety zone or their, their comfort zone, it can be threatening to people who are happily sitting in their comfort zone. So it's kind of like shaking the existing relational bonds that you had, which was based on, oh, we'll just stay right here in this this little comfort zone and not really try to to move outside of it. Everyone is allowed to be where they're at in their own journey. They have to figure it out. But it is hard that when you kind of have a space or a role, when you have a role within a family dynamic or a friend dynamic or, you know, any type of community and that role, you start to change that role, it becomes very threatening to people because that is where the comfort was. That was where the understanding was. And now everything's changing and the footing is not balanced and the footing is not easy and things are different. And there's different ways to have to communicate in different ways that you have to experience people and you're rocking the boat and rocking the boat is a, can be a challenge, especially when you're emotionally involved and have, you know, certain dynamics with individuals. Because it, it's almost like you can get typecast into a role. Like you're always 100%. Yeah. So then you're like always playing that role. Are you the supporting role or, you know, and then when you start to be like, I'm going to go audition for this role and people are like, why, why would you do that? Like things would change in your life and we wouldn't even know who you were anymore or who you are. So it, it can be, it can be intimidating for others. But there's this other aspect that I want to get on to that for me, it really opened my eyes a lot. And I, I really didn't understand this for many years of being stuck in the riptide around this issue was this concept of the unlived life of your parent. One of the great psychoanalysts at Carl Jung, he said, the greatest burden a child must bear is the unlived life of its parents. And so this idea, this concept that he, he introduced and has really had a strong ripple effect within the therapeutic community is that whenever our parents are unaware of their own triggers or their own unfinished business, things that they wish they could have done in life that maybe they never got around to because of different circumstances or they got swept into all of the societal roles that come with being a parent, a provider, a mother, you know, whatever it is that took them away from what their soul, their heart really wanted to do, the child actually can start to emulate the same stuckness. It's like a glass ceiling and it can really arrest one's socio-emotional development and belief in themselves or what they're they're going to go after in life. And a lot of times what Jung would say is that we would spend a great deal of our life trying to compensate for this 
or overcome it. So you can see different kind of ways this can play out with a child where they will completely get stuck and never get beyond their parents in terms of what you know success or whatever that is. I'm not saying success in just monetary terms, but success in one's soul development and in um, you know calling. Other times, though, the child really falls into a pattern of wanting to consciously or, you know, more on unconscious level, try to fix it. Like they're going to do what the parent didn't do. Now, you think as a child, I'm going to do what the parent didn't do. Therefore, they're going to be happy and proud of me. And like, they're going to be like, good job. You did what I couldn't do. When in reality, you're dealing with another human who is like, I wanted to do that. It brings out their own unfulfilled life. It brings out their own I wish I could have done that. This unfinished ancestral business in some ways. And it, it's a really important piece to start to see, like, what are your unconscious drivers for what you're pursuing in life? Like, is it yours? Is it your parents? Is this what they wish they would have done? Are you happy to be carrying the torch and bringing the legacy forward? Or are you really doing it just because you think that's what's going to make them happy? Or are you actually finding that when you do that, it brings up their own shadow self, which is upset, let down, disappointed that they never were able to actualize and do that themselves. This is such a deep conundrum, Jessica. I see what you're saying because as the loving child with this open heart that looks to their parent and just wants one for them to be happy and two to please them, right? As a, as a child, you want to please your parents. I am always looking for the pat on the head. So you're like looking at your, your, mom and you're loving your mom and you see your mom has a regret and you're like, I'm going to meet this regret. I'm going to meet this regret with love. And then you're trying to fix that regret. And then you're taking on that goal. And then is it authentic for you? And then is it going to be threatening to this beloved parent that you're trying to fix? Because suddenly you've taken on this responsibility that was their dream or their hope or their desire. And so now suddenly it is, you've got skin in the game for both them and you. And it, you know, compounds it to a certain extent. And then how and who is going to find the soul satisfaction in all the decision-making and all of the communication and all of the unconscious and conscious experience. Exactly. And it's so unconscious. I just want to like, until you bring this to consciousness, like most of you may be listening to be like, what are they talking about? Like, wait, <laughs> this is a little confusing. Um, my parents unlived life. So I'll give an example or two here with my personal life. And you may find one coming up for you when mm -hmm. I share this. Just just so you guys can understand. Because until you make the unconscious, the, I'm just throwing out all the Jung quotes today. Until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you'll consider it fate. So let's go back to that riptide. Unless you are conscious that you're in the riptide, and you're just going, you're just going to keep thinking, what's happening? I'm just going. I'm not getting anywhere. But until you bring it to consciousness, like, hey, I keep going further out and this is where I'm going. Oh, maybe I could change this. Therefore, I'm not going to keep thinking that this is just my fate. I can move. I can change. I can redirect. But if we are just stuck in this unconscious, the patterns just keep happening. You keep doing things and you think that it's going to change and it doesn't. You keep exhausting yourself. I say glory, hallelujah, for bringing it to your consciousness because you get to roll over on your back and accept and allow and lean in and what is it? Uh, let go. I, I never understand that. So hallelujah for bringing it to the consciousness. Whoop, whoop. Consciousness. Well, you know, there's no real coming to consciousness without pain, though. I mean, I think the reality is once you start to see this, you start to see the pain 
that your parents have been holding all their life for this unlived life that they had, right? So I'll, I'll share a few examples just so we can kind of, you guys can be on the same page with with what this concept is. Because it's a really important one. It really is. And I think it's a deeper, like you said, like it's it's something that takes some digestion. Like you really have to think about it maybe not even the first 10 minutes, days, maybe weeks, even months later, you'll start to see. But one way to piece it together is to listen to your parents and like, what are things that they said they wish they would have done? Like, where where would they say like, oh, I wish I would have done this. Or if this hadn't happened, I would have done this type of ways that they're showing what they didn't get to live out. Oh, I decided to do this route when really I, I was interested in that route. Um, that's one way that it can be really expressed. Another is just a way that you have witnessed your parent in the freaking riptide their whole life, just going against it and being like, mom, go to the right. <laughs> like, get out of there. Oh my God, wouldn't it be awesome if you could just be like, yo, mom, go to the right. And she's like, yo. okay. <laughs> Give her like a little floaty and be like, you literally are drowning. Here, let me help you. Um, which really brings a good example here. I'll share this with my mom. My mom had a really hard upbringing. Her mom wasn't there in many ways mentally. And because of that, developed a lot of wounds for her own inner child that would make it really hard for her to, to be in a position to mother me in, in a very strong, supportive, and nurturing way. And I believe you know, she developed addictions to kind of help her with, with this, this numbing, this deep sense of loss of love and care in one's life. We all know, like, you know what can happen when you don't feel that you have consistent nurturing or in many sense you were abandoned that leaves a gaping hole in oneself so she filled it with substances with uh, food issues eating disorder a lot of these things that i witnessed growing up as a child and as i grew up i developed my own issues with food issues eating disorder and so i almost kind of that wasn't her unlived life but her unlived life was a life of recovery her unlived life was a life of letting go of these addictions a life of self-actualization, a life of saying, you know what? I'm going to dedicate my life to loving myself, even if there's parts of me that feel so unlovable, right? Instead of allowing oneself to just believe in, that you're inherently unworthy, how can you believe in your inherent goodness? So my whole life mission in my career was wrapped around, was helping people recover from an eating disorder, recover from right. addiction. So that's an example of an unlived life where I'm trying in, in an unconscious way to save my mom. I have helped millions in the process. Millions, whoop, whoop. You are awesome, value. Sorry. But the millions, the sad part, because this is a sad subject, the millions don't, they, okay, they mean a lot. I'm going to say they mean a lot. But when I'm sitting here today, it's like, but it's not my mom. You know what I mean? Like, it's like the little child's like, you know, you get everybody out of the burning building, but the one person you want to get out of the burning building. Like, come on, everybody get out. Like, but that one person's not. They're still in the burning building. Jessica, like, blessica. My heart goes to you, darling. That is a thing. It's a thing. In that process, I did have to do a lot of exploration around how much me really wants to do this work or how much of this work was really for me to try to fix or save my mom. But this is all unconscious, what I'm talking about. This isn't like you don't wake up and say like, oh, I want to do this because I want to save this person. Like you think about it differently. So that's an example. Uh, another one, I'll just give two examples from both my parents here in my life, is my dad was an entrepreneur. 
he made millions by the time he, you know, was in his late 20s, kind of mid 20s and lost it all gambling. Like, and we lost our home. They got divorced. My whole life just went when I was like four because we went through bankruptcy, boom, crashed, burned. And he always wanted to be an entrepreneur again. He tried so many times. So there's this, this, can you see how my whole little child psyche created? How can I create a business that can save my mom and redeem my dad? And this is, this is how it works in our life. This is how when we're really seeing these things, mine may be like really blatant, but for many people, you can, you can really see how we're trying to fix or compensate, or we will stay stuck in the same patterns as our parents. Now, does this, any of this resonate with you, Colette, and like where you're at and what you're working on and towards? Yes. Um, there is such a parallel to what you're discussing. We talk about roles that are created for us by society and by our cultures. And my mom has the same spark and fun personality and big personality that I have. And she fell into the role of, you know, and she was married in the 50s. I, I can't do that math. She fell into the role of I'm going to stay at home and I'm going to sacrifice all of my hopes and dreams because that's what you do because you're a mom and that is what you're supposed to do. And I know that my mom has regrets on not being able to live a big open life. She lived a very contracted life, which you, you'll hear me say the word all the time, because she followed the rules. She embraced the norm. She embraces expectations. But she probably has big, ginormous dreams and goals as well. I've heard her say that she wished she would have had an opportunity in Hollywood. She wished she would have had an opportunity to be a CEO at a business. So she has daydreams in her heart and in her soul that she never allowed because she embraced that expectation that you nope, you're a mother, you stay home and you sacrifice for your family. She didn't even allow herself to experience what her heart may really have dreamt about. You know, again, here I am, you know, she wanted to go to Hollywood and I keep joking about being Oprah and mm -hmm. she wanted to be CEO. And I, you know, thanks to you being an inspiration for me and some of my friends, like I, I am capable of creating a business that I can monetize to the point where I can travel and I can monetize to the point where I can breathe with ease with my finances. And that's Hands a goal right. of mine. Yeah. And I'm aligning with it and taking action steps toward it. It definitely resonates. I mean, I basically feel like I'm exactly what you're talking about. It's like, I am really in how much of this is embracing uh, unconsciously. I mean, honestly, unconsciously am, am I, I see my mom, hurting and I see my mom having a hole in her soul. I, it, honestly, it is a hole in her soul that she never was able to open up and create and live in her daydream. I'm not saying she's unhappy with being a mom. You know, she took on that role and that was her choice. But I think that she really would have had a lot more joy um, and a lot more fulfillment had she allowed herself to be open to opportunities and pursue them. She never gave it a shot. I always think right. that I like, it's always that what yes, girl, right? Like who knows? Like you never know what's going to happen with any of it. Like, right. You got to give it a shot though. But if they don't, then it's always that, well, I, you know, I had that opportunity or I had that skill set. I, I was interested in that, but you mm -hmm. never gave it a shot. So it's always kind of that. What if, what would have happened? Right. And I think that not giving it a shot can create such deep regret and such, large spaces in your 
soul that you need to try to soothe with coping mechanisms like addictions and eating disorders and such like that. Um, that's mm-hmm. why it's so important to try to, you know, really honor and look to your own values and your own passions and your own interests. So when we go back to this unlived life of the parent, I want you as a listener to kind of think like, what am I carrying on my mother's and father's or like, in what ways am I carrying my mother's or father's unlived life? And this doesn't have to be negative. Maybe like, I, I don't know if, the, if you did it kind of seem negative in the way I was been framing it. Cause it's, it can be a positive it's not thing. Negative in the way you're framing it. But I have to tell you in all sincerity, viscerally, like it's heavy on my heart. Like we're discussing this and I am having a visceral emotional reaction in my body right now where it is heavy on my heart to think about because I'm thinking about my mom's pain. I'm thinking about my mom's regret. I'm thinking about how she feels she failed herself, but how I feel like I'm failing her. And that's how I get so triggered. Like I'm, you know, how am I failing this res- in this respect? When you're, a, when you have responsibilities, a lot of times those responsibilities are one of the ways that you create excuses to not go after what you want. Now, I very intentionally use the word excuses because there are plenty of people that have all of these challenges and all these different things and they go out and they bust it and they are successful and they are things. But there are also people who, like we said before, are not in that place yet and may never be in that place. And that's their path. And that's what it is. This idea of responsibility can come in, and I and I think that's the burden because when we think about responsibility, often the word burden comes associated with it. Like it's so I'm so burdened, I have all these responsibilities. That is why Jung says it's the greatest burden that a child can bear because it's actually like you you assume this kind of responsibility. You feel like you must make the the parent proud or redeem them in some way. But is this heavy? This is a heavy subject because what often happens though when you go onto this path of redemption or trying to in some ways take carry the torch further along than they they were ever able to get possibly because of other responsibilities that got thrown onto their path other decisions they had to make sacrifices is they don't always meet you really i think the level that someone can meet you is how much they've been willing to meet themselves so mm-hmm. i really do believe. so if someone is coming from a place of addiction or just checking out watching tv looking at other people's lives instead of really wanting to dig into their own life then they really can't meet you that far. and Which can be so frustrating <laughs> when you see things so clearly and you're like, I'm going to take my magic wand with the sparkles on the end and like the glitter confetti. I'm going to whack you upside the temple with it. I know I know that I always lean toward violence, but I lean toward violence with like sparkly things. Does that make it better? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like you, you do, you want them to be able to see and it doesn't always work that way. And so... What can happen though is there's this, once again, unconscious or kind of like resentment that they can have or jealousy or envy or something where it just doesn't feel, it feels icky. Let's just say that. Like it feels icky. This can maybe never even be communicated with a with a parent or anything. Like it can all be on this very unconscious level where you feel that you can't dial up the light because whenever you do, it evokes something in them an emotional response, something that just manipulation, whatever it is, some type of thing that doesn't feel like a good, strong emotional alignment with you, with your parent. And at the end of the day, going back to our deepest wishes to be loved, well, then think about that dynamic. Think about that rip current that can it can create in you, pulling you in op- opposing directions because your wish is to be loved. At the same time, you feel when you shine, you'll lose love. Oh, 
such a conundrum, honestly. It is a conundrum, and I don't think there's an easy fix to it. I think it takes consistent work in bringing it to consciousness. But I do have some things that I have helped me, but I, I'll be completely honest, I'm still, you know, kind of trying to work through this uh, myself, is the consciousness piece. So just becoming aware of it, that there's even this dynamic that you've set up within you. Within you, you have this conundrum. You want to shine, but you're afraid to shine. If you shine, you're afraid of the shadow will cast. You're afraid of being unloved. But I think what's also really important is to start to take back your power, your own responsibility, because we can often just make, if we get like stuck in that, we just make it all about, well, I can't succeed because of this dynamic, right? I'm in this rip current. I, I, I can't get out of it. When really you, you can, right? Like it, it is possible to get out of. So if you start arguing for your limitations, like you, you get, end up keeping them. You start arguing for this dynamic you're in, this conundrum, and you put all your attention there and, and blaming your parents and blaming that. It, like it doesn't get you far. So taking your power back. Do you feel like you can do that, Colette, with where you're at? Like starting to just say like... I think it's very important. It's something that I will be working on. And the awareness, like you said, you have to see it and feel it to heal it. And you said, you know, we're offering up this sticky kind of complex thing that I'm going to be t- pontificating and ruminating. Those are my two, some of my two favorite words, that and phlebotomist. <laughs> um, but, you know, and again, going back to self-compassion where you are really honoring the different thoughts and the different emotions that come through them, looking at them, honoring them. But then also you said that you don't want to get caught in it. So you have to release it and let it go, you know, address it, work through it and let it go in your awareness and then lead with love. Like just try to remind yourself. I know that you do such a good job with this of honoring your mom's history and honoring your mom's hurts and the same thing, with me or, you know, you and I are talking specifically about our mothers. It could be, like you said before, it could be anyone that you have an emotional attachment with that you're having these experiences with. It could be a child, it could be whoever, but you know, we're honoring their histories and we're honoring their hurt and we're trying to learn from them, which I mean, God bless them. I mean, that's a great lesson is to be able to see what they went through um, and then lead with love and love yourself Mm -hmm. through it. And, you know, I was saying that like, for me, I get so triggered. Like I get so sad and so unhappy and so triggered. And, you know, and I feel like I'm, whenever my mom and I have these types of interactions that we're discussing, I get, I I become this little girl that's just so hurt and want so bad to make everything better. And, you know, I have to, those are real serious emotions. And honestly, those are some of the things that are holding, have held me back for a long time. Right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's looking at them and processing them that is helping me move forward because I can, I can release them. Mm, I like that. And it's also like a multi-process thing. I think it's not like a one and done. Like, oh, I met it. I saw it. I was compassionate. I freaked- no, I can give you a six-month history of where I was like, that didn't go exactly the way that I wanted to. I think I need to apologize, or I need to I need to sink into a moment of self-compassionate awareness and reassure myself that I'm okay and she's human, or I'm okay, or they're fallible. You know? Yeah. That forgiveness. Ooh, I saw a really cool uh, tweet on Instagram. You know, people like post their tweets on Instagram. And Alex Hermosi, who is a great businessman, by the way, I recommend following him. Hermosi, 
super amazing. And he said in the thing, if you'd forgive somebody on their deathbed, why wouldn't you forgive them now? And it really hits, right? Like if you actually would say like, oh, I'm sorry, like I love you. I know you tried your best. Life was hard for you. Like, Why not just bring that forgiveness in now? Like, hey, I know that things were hard for you. You made a lot of sacrifices. It wasn't easy for you. And I forgive you. I let you go. I'm free to be me. I'm free. I don't need to stay stuck in, in, in this story any longer. Can you answer that question? What question? Was there a question? Yeah. If, if you could do it on their deathbed, why can't you do it now? Can you answer that question? Well, no. The, the, I just answered it. The answer is yes. No, I can tell you that my interpretation of that is that you've got nothing to lose when they're on their deathbed. You, your vulnerability is over. It's ended. There's, a, there's an end cap, a bookend to your vulnerability. You do that when they're still alive and you've got 25 years of having to communicate with them. You are, you're laying yourself on the battlefield for that one, which is what it's about. That's what these discussions between you and I are about, right? But forgiveness is, is like... Right, but I'm just saying, like, why is it harder to do it today versus on the deathbed? It's harder to do it today because then you have to continue. You have to continue to be vulnerable to that person. You have to make amends. You have to do the hard work, right? When you're forgiving somebody on their deathbed, you don't have to do the hard work. You're like, I forgive you. It's done. I'm going to wash my hands of all this, right? Anyway, Jessica and I encourage all of you people to do it now. It ain't going to be easy. Just like this conversation isn't easy. Just like these interactions, these us being human and loving each other and trying to figure out these crazy, messy lives. It is what it is, girl. And that's why self-compassion and just compassion is really the gateway, I think, to this forgiveness and finding deeper forgiveness. But what you bring up is so – I like how you bring it up because it is. Once you forgive someone now, you are. You're, you're left with the patterns that are still going to be there because right? we can never change another person. Like no. we can we can God, change our – God knows we all try. God knows we all want to. And God knows we are going to fail on a daily basis. <laughs> so what you can do if you can't change them is set boundaries – this is what I found is is helpful. Set boundaries. Yeah, this is good because you know that I'm really good at this. Yeah, you are our boundary badass, our resident boundary <laughs> badass. But setting boundaries is so, so important. And when you set this boundary, it's saying like, this is mine, this is yours. So this is my life. This is your life. This is my decisions I'm making. These are your decisions that you're making or the decisions that you made. So it's really like what I choose is separate from what you chose or are continuing to choose. So when you can set those boundaries, that's really helpful. And I find also with the boundary setting process, which is helpful is to, to you're in the early stages of this, right? So I think there's always room for, for people to change, but not through force, right? As we were saying, like they have to on their own free will change, which can happen when you start to change, when your own inner world changes, your outer world changes. But to not have the expectation that they're going to show up any differently than they are now. To not expect that they will listen, that they will say good job. If they do, wonderful, amazing, I'm happy, that's cool. But I'm not going to be waiting for that or I'm not going to be holding myself back because I am you know, don't feel that just because they're not giving me that, that I don't deserve to move forward. That's so key. You do deserve to move forward and to set the expectation within yourself that they're, 
you know, of what they're truly capable and being honest with that and meeting that with honesty on yourself, because it'll be so much more gentle on your soul if you do. If you're honest about their, you know, their capabilities, recognize that you can change them and just accept with grace what they're capable of giving. Otherwise, it's going to hurt because it's hurting me because I'm processing it all right now. I'm still getting triggered. I still get triggered. I still get hurt. And I don't have to because I know my path. We talked about how I'm aligned. You know, I continue to ask the right questions. And by the way, somewhere during this thing, you were asking yourself good questions. And I want to be like, good job asking good questions. But I want to move forward. And, you know, becoming aware of this and clinging to my newly forming and strengthening belief system and what's important for me and letting go of trying to please and help and ease the hurt and disappointment that I see. I I just, I'm so happy to have these conversations because all it does is heal me more and helps me move forward. So I'm grateful for that. And I see where this affects people the most is like really sensitive souls, really like sensitive, empathic people who can pick up on these energies without anything being said. I, and what can happen is you can start to feel guilt and like shame because of this dynamic. What's really important is to start to say there's no shame in shining. Like there's no shame in me shining. I I can be who I can be. I can go after what I want. I can fail. There is no failure unless you stop really. That's my opinion. I love failure. It's a, it's a great lesson. It's a great lesson. Why failure is one of those words that gets a bad rap. Yeah, no, failures, you can you fail your way to success. I think that's how it works. And it's not something to be to fear. And judgment, I think, is something that we all fear in some way or another that we're going to be judged by others. But for ourselves, that's really who's the bigger judge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the final kind of thing that I would say about about this, what can help. So we talked about bringing it to consciousness, really owning your like your life. Like this is your life. If we start if we you know, get on this whole thing about other people and the way they held us back in life. Yes, there's a time and a place for that in therapy or just being upfront about, wow, this has impacted me. At the end of the day, though, you're responsible for your life. No parent, nobody is like taking you by the hand and making you do it, you know? So it's my life. Take it back. Take your power back. Boundaries, set boundaries, lower expectations. And the final thing would be Make your success an offering to your ancestral heritage. So you can see this almost as like fuel for your growth in the ways that your parents and, and the people, whoever is coming to mind and around this subject matter, like honor their suffering as a sacrifice in a sense that has paved the way for your current level of success or has paved the way for your ambition and your desires. Because I'll say without my mom, like recovery warriors would have never existed Never. I would have never done that had it not been for her or my dad, right? So recognize that it's an offering. It's something beautiful. You're you're actually taking all of their triumphs and tribulations and everything that really came into them getting to where they were, whether it was stuck or whether they never got to be, and using it as fuel for your growth and, and how that can then have a ripple effect for, for the world and how that can help other people. So it's I, – I like to see it in that way. I – adore that sentiment. That is absolutely gorgeous. And your recap of the four things, I think it was four things was like the perfect tool set for addressing this discussion, like this whole concept of the sticky situation of how we manage to have our light 
without getting sucked into the shadow. I mean, it was the perfect way to help us understand how to move forward. So thanks for that. Yeah. So don't get stuck in the blame game and there's no shame in shining. Right. Those are my recaps. Love to shine. Shine. Sparkly shine bright like a diamond. <laughs> I go, Rihanna. Like Rihanna. <laughs> I was like, go Rihanna with your bad self. <laughs> oh, all right. Colette. I know this was a heavier topic. It really is. It, it does. It's not easy to, to look at these patterns and the way they shaped us. And I think ultimately what you're doing is self-compassion is really the antidote to all of this is self-compassion for self and for for everybody who, who we feel has been a part of this pattern in our life to really meet it with compassion and honor the suffering. Mm-hmm. I love what you said at the very end about honoring their past and how we can take that and you know weave it into our story, but in a very positive way and honoring them and that. That was really cool. I love that. Yeah, it's like a tribute. It's like a tribute right. instead of like an F you, like you never helped me get to where I want to be. It's like, actually, this is a tribute to you. And yeah, I guess my final thing to say here is we focus a lot on the unlived life of the uh, the other, but the most important piece of this is what is what is your unlived life? Because that's, that's why you're listening to the show. That's why you're following your bliss. When you live your unlived life in service of your soul, that is when everybody's opened up to more possibility. So Jessica, yes, that just made me so happy. Follow your bliss. Follow your bliss, listeners. That was so good, Jessica. There's a reason why you've got that microphone, girl. (laughs) All right. Love you. Love you. Okay, bye. Thank you for having the discipline to listen in. If you love this episode and know of someone else who is following their bliss, please share this show with them. It would mean the world to me if we can get this cause and message out to as many people as possible. So if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this show with your friends. And I will be forever grateful for your support. And until the next episode, this is Jessica Flint encouraging you to follow your bliss and to unapologetically be bold, be brave, and be you.